it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week, and I'm, I'm going to share some of that with you. And I, and I don't know everything that's going on in your lives. But it's been, been a tough week for a lot of people. And all through the week, God has assured me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I know, I see, I'm working. But this morning, standing in worship, the Holy Spirit told me something else, something I did not realize. It's something I'd forgotten. He said, yeah, he's been here, he's been assuring me, he's been, he's been lifting us up, he's been giving strength to those who have been struggling this week. Been, I mean, he's helping me get through some tough days, going with you, walking through some tough things. And, and he reminded me, he said, you know, it's not just that he hasn't given up on us. I hadn't given up on him. I, I, did, I didn't even realize what was going on, but I was standing there just, just really with every bit of love I had in my spirit, you know, and all this stuff that's going on this past week, it's just so easy to, to say, well, well, God, you know, and get angry, or, you know, and like, boom, all that was gone. And I was lifting him up and I was, I was praying him, praising him, and he said, you haven't given up on me. And it came to me, I realized, God doesn't just hold us and protect our lives and protect, you know, our attitudes. God holds our hearts. And He protects our hearts from all this ugly and negative and horrible and disaster and terrible and evil that we have to experience and run into every day. And God protects our hearts from being infiltrated by that. And can, and can keep that peace and that love and that joy that, that was there before you had the battle. And He keeps it there. And you step into His presence and you feel refreshed and renewed again. You know that oh, He didn't leave me, but you didn't leave Him. And as I turned and walked back to my seat, I saw some of you that I know you've had a tough week with your hands raised or, or just really digging in there with God. I thought, wow, what, what an amazing testimony that God is able to hold our hearts. Not just who we are, but hold our hearts and not let those be injured, damaged by all this stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Last week, I talked to you about power. You know what's really easy to say? It's really easy to look and say, well, pastor, I sure really needed the power this past week. And it's easy to say, where'd it go? No, what we need to look back and say is, the power was with me or I would have not made it. There's no way I should be standing and worshiping God today if the Holy Spirit's power had not been walking with me through my battles and my struggles. This week I want to talk to you about, about mission. Let's have just a word of prayer and get into this message, the second in our series. Father, I love you. I thank you, God. Lord, it's been a tough week, a lot, a lot of tough things happening. But God, your ability to enable God, to empower God, to strengthen, Lord, God, to just assure us, God, that you're, you're still in charge, you're still on the throne, you're still making the decisions. And everything, everything is all right. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Challenge us to stay focused, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you heard it twice last week, okay, because we talked about power. Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the othermost part of the earth. And, and if you were one of the disciples there, that, that, uh, you know, and, and here's, here's kind of really where Acts begins. And if we're going to fulfill Acts 29, you know, because it hadn't been written yet. In your Bible, Acts ends at 28 because you and I, we're living 29. If we're going to fulfill that, we're going to write verse 11. So we're writing chapter 29, 11. If we're going to do that, then we have to understand Acts 1 through 28. And it begins, and I mean, this is, this is the whole, whole purpose of it. This is the mission. If you were a disciple standing there and hearing this just before Jesus left and before everything was about to happen in the book of Acts, and there's some amazing things that happened in the book of Acts, you'd be thinking, wow, how awesome this is going to be. Jesus is about to leave and he's going to send this power back, this power that he's worked under, the power that he's given us every once in a while. It's now going to be in us, and man, we're going to be operating and doing great things. Miracles are going to happen. This is going to be amazing. And if I didn't know chapters 2 through 27, or 2 through 28, and if I didn't know the, the, the last 2,000 years of church history, almost 2,000 years, I'd say, man, this is going to be awesome. That's where they were. They didn't know that in the middle of all those miracles, there were going to be tough days. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be disappointments where it looks like failure, where God is a, is a million miles away from us. They didn't know that that was what's going to happen. You and I know it because we look back at it. 27 more chapters after this verse. 27 and a half. 2,000 years of church history. And it all hadn't been rose petals. It's been some tough days. It's been some tough times. But the mission is, not just to have the power. The mission, I'll tell you what to admit in a few moments. But I had this thought this week. I had this message prepared and everything and all this stuff going on. I had this thought this week. What if you had a magic wand? Would that be awesome, somebody? I'm sorry the ushers are not going to be passing them out on your way out the door. You don't get a magic wand today. But, you know... It would, a lot of times you think, man, it would be awesome to have a magic wand. You could just whip out of your pocket and just fix some things, right? You know, and so I started thinking, what would we fix if we could fix stuff? I started looking online. I started doing some research and because, you know, there's, uh, you know, people, po that's the kind of thing, you know, some people will post, on, you know, on, on, in a chat room or whatever, you know, and ask people to just answer, you know, on a, on a board, you know, and, and ask people to answer. And, and, and you know, and I looked at it, looked at some research also, some studies were done. And, and basically, uh, the answers come in three different categories. And one, the first one is, is uh, materialism. I mean, you know, some of you, you'd be, you'd be uh, you know, waving that wand, saying the publisher's clearinghouse showing up at my house today, you know. I mean, that's, or, 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 you know, your house is all automatically going to grow by a thousand square feet, you know, or, or, or that sports car that you've been dreaming about, you know, when you were 14. So when I turned 16, this is sports, and you're 36, and it still hadn't happened, you know, that'd be the thing you'd be waving your magic wand over, right? Uh, the second thing is riding a wrong, or the second category is riding a wrong. You know, maybe something has happened to you, you know, you'd fix that. You know, you'd go back to your high school days and you'd beat that jock up, you know, that used to, you know, used to trip you and make you, make you stumble or whatever, make fun of you. Or, or some, maybe somebody in, in your family or somebody close to you. Or, or maybe you witnessed uh, an injustice. And some people would go so far as to take that righting of the wrong to revenge. And they'd try to exact revenge with their magic wand. Good thing God didn't give them out then, isn't it? And, and the third category is that utopian ideal. I'd do away with, you know, world hunger. I'd do away with all the wars and no, no more kids would ever go to bed hungry and poverty would be done away with disease and all this. 
kind of like last night, I was watching a football game and I had to go downstairs for something to our bedroom. David was already down there and she was watching the Miss something pageant, America or USA, whatever. And uh, they were at that point where they asked the girls the questions, you know, I hate that. I hate that these girls been running around, you know, changing clothes, trying to look beautiful. And all of a sudden they ask them these political questions like they're going to be the next Henry Kissinger. You know, all of a sudden they got to change to this and they start. And you know what comes out of the mouth? That utopian ideal of I would end all world hunger or something like that. You know, I think that's not what was on these girls' minds. I mean, you know, they hadn't even thought about those kinds of things yet. Well, maybe some of them have, but I mean, you know, you got to really focus. They're focused on this thing. And it's just ridiculous to, to put them in that place, I think, because... That's what we would all answer. Uh, you know, that was the, the answer we probably all would give first is that utopian thing as far as what we would do. But I imagine probably the first thing we did with our magic wand would be something else, that materialism or that righting of a wrong. You know, like I could imagine if God, you know, when, you know when Moses was up in the mount getting the, the, the law from God? Now, the law was the covenant, okay? When we say law, some people think, yeah, he's getting a bunch of laws. No, he's getting a covenant. Now, uh, this, the sweet, precious spirit and presence that we felt here, Moses was on top of the mountain for 40 days with that same presence, the power of God all around him, from morning to dark and after dark till the next morning, 40 days straight, 24 hours a day, 40 straight days. He was in this presence, and God was saying, here's a covenant, and, if, and I want you to do this, and here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless you more than all nations, and, and people who bless you, I'm going to bless them, and people who curse you, I'm going to curse them, and you'll always be my people. I'm giving you a land that belongs to, belongs to you. I've already promised it to your forefathers. It's yours, and I'm going to do all these things for you, and Moses is in the middle of all this, and God gives him these two tablets that's got part of the law written on it, and he starts down the mountain. When he gets down to the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites... They said, well, Moses is gone, and they're looking at the top of the mountain. They can see like this, this, this cloud that's up there, and there's God, this God we're supposed to be following. We don't have a God. We don't have a leader now. And so they make an idol, and they start worshiping this idol. They start having a festival and everything. And, and you know, Moses, he gets he's so angry. God wants to do all these things for you. And, and, this is, and he throws the tablets down, and he breaks them. It's a good thing he didn't have a magic wand, right? Because he would have seen that one running off to it because they were doing some lewd stuff out there. And he would have, he would have just zapped one, you know, and zapped another. And, and maybe, maybe eventually he would have just said, well, i just get rid of all of you, you know, and maybe God can start over. And if he had done that, he would have been in more disobedience than anybody else committing a sin. You know why? Because God knew what was happening at the bottom of the mountain when he was saying on top of the mountain, I want to be in covenant with those people. God knew what was going on. But he said, I want to bring those people back to me. Moses didn't know, but God knew. And he said, I want to do this. And so if Moses had gone down there, he, he would have been in more disobedience and rebellion in his self-righteousness by destroying the ones God wanted to, be, wanted to be in covenant with than all of them would have been in being disobedient, rebellion in their sin, and rebellious in their sin. So we need to maybe put our magic wand of you know, self-righteousness back in our pocket. Because it's really easy to, you know, I, I was thinking about the story also of Jonah. You know Jonah, where God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. They've been doing all kinds of evil. I want you to tell them I'm about to judge them. And Jonah thought in his mind, he said, I ain't doing that. I hate those people. They're my enemies. I don't like them. And if I go over there and tell them, then they might pray and ask God to forgive them. And I know God's a merciful God. If they ask God to forgive them, he will and he'll start blessing them. And they're my enemies. And I am not taking a message of repentance to them. And so he took that message that was in his heart and in his head. He got on a boat, went the opposite direction. A big storm arose while they were on the water. And, and Jonah said, look, guys, hey, it's me. Uh, I, I'm in rebellion. Probably, God's probably sent this storm because I'm in rebellion. The other sailors, they heard that. 
They picked Jonah up. They threw him overboard. And you know that God sent a big fish to protect Jonah, to preserve the message that God had put in him, and to put him on the beach, get him to the beach to get him where he's supposed to go. If I had been God, instead of a fish, I'd have probably sent a shark. I'd probably said, okay, this thing's over now, Jonah. You know, you didn't obey me in the first place, so this thing's over. That's why God didn't give us magic wands. Oh, but I could have used one this week. This was a tough week. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about it. I, and I don't know everything that's going on in your lives. I can tell you a few things. Let me tell you, for, for us, it started Monday morning was an awesome day because Monday was the birthday of the most beautiful woman in the whole world. And she was sick. And we didn't get to take her to uh, uh, one of her favorite places to eat. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the things I did for her that day is I went to CVS to get three prescriptions. You know, you know ah, man, you don't get this magic wand working for, you know? And then something that, that evening happened, you know, she, her birthday party was kind of around the TV uh, because there was a little thing going on Monday. I don't know if y'all caught it on TV or not, a little thing going on, you know. Uh, and, and probably at least half of you in the room are ex- excited about it. And everybody in the South really ought to be kind of happy about it because, you know, Alabama went in three national championships in four years, made the string seven straight for the SEC. So, you know, kind of everybody in the South can kind of bow up, you know, and say, hey, look at us, you know, who we are. And then Bradley and I kind of, we kind of uh, continued a tradition that we began with the first championship, you know, back, that first one that, that we won since Saban has been there. Is, is, uh, is we got in our car, we drove over to Hibbett, so, you know, because, uh, you know, you see the, the players putting on those T-shirts, they call them, the, that's the locker room shirts and the locker room caps, you know, that those are kind of special, you know, Hibbett's got a lot of T-shirts, those are special. And some, sometimes you have to get them, sometimes they don't run anymore, uh, you have to get that one that night. So Brad and I jumped, now my son, uh, he whipped out on us. He, he said, I'm tired, I'm, I'm just not going tonight. He's gone the first two, he didn't go this, but he did want us to get him a shirt, you know. So I told him, you know, we got his sizes, he did want us to get, we get over there to uh, the Gardendale Hibbets and, and uh, because the game was such a blowout, it appears that a lot of people left before the game was over, so they were there when Hibbets opened. And this is the third time we've done this in four years, and we have never been outside, but this time we were outside. The line was all the way outside. We were standing on the, and probably not 10 feet from the door. The line was going so slow. We barely, barely got to the door, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, we got to the door and the manager came out and he said, we only have just certain sizes left and uh, of the locker room shirt, got lots of other shirts, only the locker room shirts. And we've only got 70 caps left. So if you look at this line, there are not going to be any caps left for you guys when you get up there. You know, and so, man, time to pull out that, you know, magic wand and just make, make a bunch of you go back to your car so that I can get my hat, you know. I was actually looking up to see if I could find any, any of y'all, you know, that maybe I could say, hey, uh, I'm a large and I need a cap, okay? But uh, I didn't see any of you guys in the line either, so we decided to go up to Fultondale. So, hey, you know, we, we, we're kind of pumped, you know, because of the championship game and all that. Not, we're not going to sleep for a while. Might as well go up there and see what's going on. Now, the first year, that was more uh, crowded than Gardendale, but this year, it wasn't. We got up there. They actually still had shirts left and caps, it appeared, from what they were telling us. I saw a couple of guys I knew that worked there. I was trying to get them to tell me, hey, is everything okay? We get up there. Guess what? They've got a large for me, and they've got plenty of caps, so I get a large and a cap, but they don't have a double X for Bradley or a double X for my son. And so, here, Bradley, when you borrow my magic wand, you know, to do something. I mean, uh, you know what? And all of that's just trivial stuff, isn't it? But how many of us would use the magic wand for the trivial stuff 
instead of the stuff that really matters. How many of us view this right here? You receive power, and we think about, man, I sure needed that the other day when I couldn't find a parking place and it was raining. Amen? Come on, somebody. Or, you know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know, and what, what do you do? You think, man, I sure could have used that power the other day when somebody cut me off in traffic and made me so angry. And the trivial stuff, yeah, it messes with us. And then on Tuesday, remember what happened Tuesday? If you didn't know what happened Tuesday, we were one vote short of having the rezoning done on the building that we have got, we're under contract to buy. And, and you want to know where this stands? Well, where this stands is we're, we're just waiting on the rezoning to be done uh, or for God to say no. God hadn't said no, so we're just believing God. You know, this really isn't our fight. It's really the bank and the city, you know, and we're just waiting for them to work out whatever they work out. And it's God's fight. You know, if God's chosen this, that's, that's kind of where we are. But, you know, there, it was a tie vote, 3-3. Three, three. It had to have a, ma- a majority. And so, you know, when, when they began voting out loud, you know, one said, the first one said yes, the second one said yes, and the third one said yes. All we needed was one more yes. And when that fourth person opened their mouth, you know, man, if we just had a magic wand to just make them say yes. I know some of you were thinking, put a ward on their uh, tongue or something so they can't talk, right? I mean, that's what you were. Anybody think? Don't, don't raise your hand if you were thinking that. But, I mean, that's the way we humanistically look at stuff. And, you know, all we really needed was a yes. Sometimes we make a big deal out of, and all we need is a yes. And how easy is it for God to get a yes when God wants a yes? I mean, if, you know, God, if God could put a man in a boat and in a, in a storm and in the ocean and in a whale and spit him out on the beach, then God can get a yes whenever God wants to get a yes. We're just waiting on God to decide that, okay, this is the time for the yes or whatever. It's, if we're not careful, that's what we do is we take, we take things a little too far. Even when it looks like the world is against you, don't take things too far. And, and then Wednesday hit. And on Wednesday, I found out that Brad, uh, Brad McCoy, his mom, was taken back to the hospital. Brad said, it doesn't look good. I, I, I don't think she's going to pull through this time. But then I heard from uh, David Clark, and he, he, said, uh, he said, I'm up for a promotion and a raise, so pr- be praying for me. The next morning uh, started, uh, and, and, I, and I found out uh, that morning that Christy... Miller, I didn't know Christy, Christy had been laid off two, two months ago. She'd been without a job for two months. I didn't even know. I didn't know to pray. So now I'm going to pray. Where's, the, where's that magic wand, you know? I got to pray for her. So she gets her job back, you know? And so me and Joe, we talk about that. And, you know, it, it's, you know that, that's, that's a serious thing. And then, then I get a text from David Clark that, hey, I got the promotion and a raise with the promotion. So praise God. You know, the magic wand worked, I guess, yesterday, you know, or whatever, you know, praying about that. And then I get a message from another member of the 2911 family that got laid off that day. And then I get a message from Job, that, or, or Christy, one, I think it's from Christy, that got a call back from her boss two months later, and, and now, now this is two months later, and they've offered her a job with another class, teaching another class, so she's got her job back. Man, that's awesome, because as far as I was concerned, man, she was only without a job for about three hours, you know? Uh, it's two months for her, but for three hours for me, you know? So it's like, ooh, praise God, you know? I just prayed a prayer, and God answered it, man. That's a, that's a miracle, you know? It's awesome. And, you know, and then later that afternoon, we start watching the news. And the tragedy involving the pastor's family at Mount Vernon. So, wow, man, I need, I need that magic wand right now. Come on, come on, magic wand, you got to work. We need this family to, to not perish. We need all of them to be healed. And then what else? What, what, what else? I asked somebody that question yesterday because I knew I was going to be preaching. I said, what if you'd had a magic wand? They said, I don't know what I'd have done. I don't know the details. I don't know, because it's real easy to rush to judgment, isn't it? And say, I know what I'd do with that magic Yeah. And you'd mess up a whole lot of things because you don't know the details. You don't know the extenuating circumstances. Let me tell you something. There were some extenuating circumstances somewhere, somehow. That didn't happen. 
on Thursday afternoon. There was something else there. But how many times we would rush to judgment and misuse the magic wand if God gave it to us. And I get up the next morning and having breakfast with Chris Jackson. I didn't know. I, I thought Chris Jackson's dad was still home recovering. He, he had, his dad is a pastor and hadn't, hadn't, uh, has not been able to, to preach in several months. And, and I didn't know. He's still in the hospital. I didn't know that. And Chris and Angela have four kids. Three of the four kids were sick that morning. I mean, my goodness. You know, he needs to be with his dad, but he's got to work. And his wife's at home with, three, with four kids, three of whom are sick. And I meant, you know, man, they got it piled on them. And the, 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 te- the second text message I got that day, and let me tell you, my, my phone's been burning up this week. I mean, it's like uh, the battery's dead by 3 or 4 o'clock uh, every day because all this stuff going on, you know, and people asking questions about everything going on and people having needs and everything. And the second text I get, so I'm telling you, it's kind of early on, th- on Friday, was from Joey. And Joey was telling me, hey, Josh, had a good night. Josh, uh, Margie's 24-year-old brother that we've been praying for and believing that it, you know, the pneumonia and then the heart and then he had issues. Joey and I had just had lunch the, the, the day before and, and, and uh, he, uh, at the end of a meeting, I'd gone and had lunch with Joey and Joey shared with me and, it, it, you know, we kind of felt like, hey, he's bouncing back from this and some, there's some strength here and some things are looking good. And, and, to, uh, and I found out later that they had been in that morning, Friday morning, and, and talked with him and given him ice and, you know, and so there were some things that were looking really good like this is promising. And three hours later, 24-year-old youth pastor, Young man of God had passed away. I get the text. I'm sitting in a meeting at lunch in Coleman with the bankers. And, and I said, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I got to go. And I told them real briefly what happened. They said, yeah, you got to go. I said, there are people with more important problems than a building. And I got up and left. And for about an hour, I guess, the drive from Coleman to the hospital, I, I, half the time I'm arguing with God and the other half I'm crying and I'm just like, God, do you need some help here with this decision? You know, there's plenty of 24-year-olds out there that don't have a 9-year-old baby. There's tw- plenty of 24-year-olds out there with a baby that aren't going to be a good dad. There's plenty of 24-year-olds out there that are tearing the world down instead of building young people up and leading them to know you. Like, God, you need some help with this one, don't you? I mean, you know, I wasn't saying exactly those words, but that's, that's really how I felt about it is... I'm, am I offending any of y'all? Did y'all think your pastor was perfect? He wasn't human too? And I was dealing with that. I mean, how, how, how do you make sense of that? And then I find out later, later that, that day that John Miller, he's in our first service normally, he was here this morning. On his way home from work, he gets a call that his beloved great-grandmother, he loves dearly, had passed away. How do, how do, you, how do you even mourn on the way home? Driving, you know, you get a, you get a call like that. Man, it was a tough one. God, what, what are we doing here? What is it? Some, some, sometime in the middle of all this, God spoke to me. It's not at the end of the week, but sometime in the middle of all this, God spoke to me. And I don't even know when he began speaking this to me. And he began sharing. Stay on mission. And man, that sounds so flippant. It's almost like, God, <laughs> the, church, the church is good with hearing that. Are these people struggling though? Stay on mission. Stay on mission. The mission is what's important. Don't be distracted by anything. You have to stay on mission. And, and, and you know, sometimes I think people get it backwards and they think, okay, the pastor was going to talk about mission on Sunday, so what God did is he sent all this junk into everybody's life so that it would drive home the point. No, it's the other way around. 
God sees everything that you are going to go through this week. And so, he, set, so he, he, he had a message set for this day. Weeks ago, he had a message set for this day to say, don't lose focus. Stay on mission. You see, it's easy on Monday to, to realize this, but sometimes we still blow it, is that in the middle of all the trivial stuff that does not matter and will not matter five minutes from now, can't get a t-shirt, right? Don't lose focus. Stay on mission. You know, say, well, I'd never get upset about that. No, but you'd wave your finger at somebody that cuts you off in traffic. Come on, come on. Lose your sanctification and lose your testimony because then you get to church and you realize that person you waved your finger at sitting on the pew beside Come on, exactly. And the trivial stuff, stay on mission. And then on Tuesday night, when it looks like the, whole, the deck stacked against you, the world is against you, and, and everything that God said He wants to do for you, the world says no, and the devil wins. Because this is what God wants, and, and then, then this is what the devil wants, and the devil got his way, God didn't get his way. And it looks like the devil won instead of God won. And God says, stay on mission. God will get His way. Sometimes you and I, we don't know what God's way is, but God will get His way. And then the middle of the week hits and you're up and down and you're like this. I mean, from one thing to the next, I mean, I've got, you know, poor old Christy. I mean, she loses her job and gets it back in three, three hours for me, you know. I was like, I'm like this, you know. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Christy. Oh, she got it back, praise God, you know. And I mean, how many of us live our lives like that and, and we look at the Scripture like that and so, you know, just up and down and up and down and God says, stay on mission. When, when you're up like this, stay on mission. And when you're down like this, stay on mission. Don't just be excited about who God is when you're on the mountain. Be excited about who God is. Thank God who He is when you're down in the valley. And don't be up and down. Don't be strongest on the mountain. Don't be strongest on the valley. But when life is doing this, that's the time to just stay just right here. And say, because my God does not change when I'm on the mountain. And He does not change when I get in the valley. He does not change when things are going the way I think they ought to. And He does not change when things aren't going the way I think they should. He is still God all the time. And then on Friday, or wait, Thursday afternoon, when, when, when the unimaginable happens, when the tragedy arrives and, and there's no sense that can be made of it, stay on mission. Do not let the circumstances surrounding you that, will, that, that confuse you and say, I don't, I don't understand how this could happen and I don't understand how, how this and that and, and start thinking. Don't, don't let it get into your heart, but stay on mission. And then on Friday, when death shows up and is right at the door, Stay on mission. Because I've already heard it said so many times. Joshua and John's great-grandmother, their mission's over. But you still have one. Stay on mission. There's somebody watching you. Stay on mission. There's somebody who needs to know that you believe that God is still sitting on the throne. Don't lose it. Stay on mission. There's some little, little one walking along behind you or looking to you for a sign. Is this God who they sing about on Sunday? Is He really God in the middle of their valley? Stay on mission. Don't lose it. Because there's still something left to be gained. You see, I was reminded, looking at our dark Friday this past Friday, I was reminded about another dark Friday almost 2,000 years ago, when the disciples watched their Savior, their best friend, die on the cross of Calvary. His body was taken down and put in a tomb, and they saw the stone in front of the tomb. It was over. 
I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say it. I don't know how many times I've heard the sermon thought preached or sung a song. It may be Friday, but hang on, because Sunday is coming. There's a Sunday that's coming. There's a day, no matter how bad your week has been, there's a Sunday that's coming. And if you give up now, if you don't stay with the mission now, you'll never see Sunday. Judas gave up. He tried to force something to happen. And it didn't go the way he thought it should go. And he thought it was now, oh man, I've messed God's plan up. And he didn't realize this was all part of God's plan. And so he thought, I've gone too far. I've messed up. There's no way for me to get back. And he hung himself. And he gave up. And he never saw Sunday. You know what I believe? I believe if Judas had just found his way to hang on through the weekend, he would have found forgiveness on Sunday when the Lord got out of his tomb. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, if you'll just hang on through this weekend, if you'll just hang on through this tough time, I believe you're going to find renewal. You're going to find refreshing. You're going to find new life. You're going to find meaning again. You're going to find purpose again. And you're going to find the solution, the answer. You're going to find something to help you make it if you'll just hang on another day or two because Sunday's coming. A resurrection is coming. A new Peace of life is coming. Hang on. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. See, because one of the things God does is He uses these things to keep us on mission. I've got to hurry. Let me take you to Scripture. This is in Acts chapter 8. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. We call this a diaspora. And throughout history, there were many diasporas. Like, uh, like in 1959, when the Cuban Revolution happened, and people, everybody that had means got off that island, got somewhere else. In the 60s, the Vietnam War caused people to leave their homeland. In uh, 1979, Iran and uh, uh, Afghanistan, the, the, the upheaval and wars and everything going on there caused people to leave their homelands. Uh, sometimes there are, there are natural diasporas, like uh, Hurricane Katrina displaced an entire entire city, and not like three or four, an entire city, suburbs and everything, people just scattered all over the southeast and some even up into the the Midwest, and some of them never even went back. They never went back to their homeland, their hometown of New Orleans because of that. There have been uh, forced diasporas, uh, uh, every world empire you know, uh, of ancient history, when when they would overtake a a people, what they would do is they would scatter the people so they couldn't get back together and form an army and take control again or like the Native Americans here in this country. That's a forced diaspora as they were moved from their land into another land. And one of the biggest in all of history was, um, and there's no numbers, so we don't know how big it was, but probably 10 million or more that were displaced in the diaspora of the African slave trade. 10 million or more that were displaced. So there's been a lot of diasporas in history, a lot of bad ones. Some of them worked out for good. But this was a God-ordained or God-chosen, I believe. He doesn't say, I did this. Okay, at least it was a God-used diaspora that God said, here's what I'm going to do. Is they're going to be scattered and they're going to be sent out. And I'm going to use that to, so that I can send my word and I can perform my mission, not just right here in Jerusalem, but all over the world. Because look, that's Acts chapter 8. 
You remember Acts chapter 1, God says power's coming. Jesus says power's coming. Acts chapter 2, power's, power comes. Acts chapter 8, seven chapters later, they're still in Jerusalem enjoying the power. And God said, wait, I didn't call you to be witnesses just in Jerusalem. I called you to be witnesses to me in every community in this earth. And so He used the diaspora to get them back on mission. I wonder what diaspora he's using with you, because some of you are in one right now. And, and, and it may not be a diaspora like that, but just a different kind of impetus. Because, you, you know, I'll give you an example. Loneliness. Some of you, some of you man, some of you people, I mean, you, you can't be alone for five minutes. You're texting or Facebook. Somebody want to hang out? You know? And you know, it may be, it may be that God said, I want to shoo away your friends for about a half hour because I need some time with you. And do what Samuel did. The next time you get lonely, the next time you get isolated, stop and say, God, is that you? Did you do this? Because you want to, oh man, but we've gotten so we've gotten so adept at filling our isolation. Because we jump to our smartphones and grab an app to play or deal with or something, or call somebody and say, "Hey, what are you doing? You want to go to the go to the mall? You want to go get something to eat? Uh, uh, you know, or or we, we grab the TV, the remote control, or I mean, we got you know some way something to fill our time. And sometimes it's just God, and He's just dispersing everybody around you so He can have a little time with you. What is God using right now to get you back on mission? Perhaps it's some of the stuff. I'm not saying that, that God caused Hibbets to run out of t-shirts. And I'm not saying that God chose for anybody to die. But what in this week, in the middle of all that from beginning to end, is God using in your life to get you back on mission? And so this is going to be rough in their life, but I can use this to get them back on mission. Because they need to be that example I called them to be in their school. Because they need to be that husband I called them to be to their wife. They need to be that dad. They need to be that example at work. She needs to be that example to the young ladies around her. What is God using in your life right now as a diaspora or as a motivation to challenge you to either give up or get in? We were talking after service in the foyer. Several guys stopped and they said, there is only one solution. I got to hang in there. Giving up is not an option. There's too much waiting on me on Sunday. I'm talking about that proverbial Sunday that's about to come. Hmm. Let me tell you one more thing about the mission. I, I know I got to hurry right here. Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 16. Peter and John get arrested because they've been preaching Jesus and healing people and performing miracles. That's what they got arrested for. Doing good and preaching. They got arrested. They were kept in jail. The next day they get them out. Here's what the court said. What are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. That's the first part of the mission. Everyone that you know should know you have a mission. Every, this is Jerusalem. Everyone in your town should know you have a mission. Not because you say so or because you wear Christian t-shirts. They should know because of your actions, because of your attitude. The next time they're riding with you in a car and you get cut off or you, somebody jumps in front of you and gets that parking space that you've been waiting five minutes on and your attitude is like, don't worry about it. Or instead of waving 20% of your hand at somebody for cutting you off, you just smile and say, don't worry about it. 
How do people know? Let me tell you how people know. That when the trivial things like that come up, you're still on mission. God's still in charge. Like on Tuesday, when the disappointment comes and you feel like the whole world's against you and everybody's making decisions based on not God's will but something else, that you're still on mission and that you say, well, no, wait a minute, God's still in charge of this thing. That in the ups and downs that happen in the middle of all of your weeks, not just this week, but every week, it's that, man, there are ups and downs, that you're still steady because you believe. That's how people know you have a mission from God. And when the unthinkable happens, and there are no answers to why this tragedy such as happened here, here in Gardendale, right here on our, our Mount Olive exit, and when there's no answers to that, and yet you, you still, you're still standing firm and say, but I believe God, God's, God's going to get us through this and all those things. That's how people know that you're on a mission from God. And when you, when you talk to a family member or, or you're that family member that is looking, that is looking at this and, and, and seeing, the, seeing the rest of this life and knowing that they're in a good place but I've got to now live the rest of that life and say, yet, I'm still standing in the peace of God. That's how people know you have a mission from God. Not because you tell them. Not because you act like it for a little while but because you are the same today that you were yesterday. That when you're on the mountain or in the valley, you are the same. You're on a mission from God. Does everybody in your town know you're on a mission? From God, that's the first step in the mission. Let me ask you this question real quick. I'm going to close. Does anybody say grace anymore? I mean, you know, I'm getting more and more where when I go eat lunch, even with Christians, I have to kind of fold my hands almost like, okay, we ready? Because it's like, I mean, I can tell they're about to dig in. They've forgotten. Or either they just don't do it. So will you go to, heaven? Will you go to hell for not saying grace? No, but you're missing a great opportunity. Friday when I was having lunch with the bank president and one of their other officers. I was kind of getting in that. I was kind of getting ready to because I was afraid. You know, I don't want people to be embarrassed when they get halfway into the meal. You know, they've already started eating. And then I kind of bow and they realize, oh, my goodness, I forgot. Pastor's here. I should have prayed. So I was kind of getting in that mode. I was about ready to, you know, kind of fold my hands a little bit and let them know I was just kind of waiting on something. And the bank president said, hey, can I pray for us? And he prayed, and you say, oh, he's just doing that because you were there. Uh-uh. The way he prayed, he's done it before. And it was a blessing to not have the pastor say, you want to pray for us or something? It was a blessing. And you know, here's something I realized one time. You know, I, I've been sitting in restaurants and see a family. It's awesome when you see them with little kids, and they stop, and they bow, and they pray. Some of them hold hands, some of them don't. I, I just love to just man, it's a blessing. Just all oh, that, man, just warmness. Just, I stop eating. I just watch them pray. I say, well, that's private, Pastor. No, it ain't. They're in public. That's a blessing to me. I'm enjoying that. One day I was sitting in Wendy's, and this was years ago. Sitting in Wendy's all by myself, having lunch. I don't normally like to eat lunch by myself. I'd rather just get it and just keep going and get something done. That day I was sitting in a Wendy's, and I was eating lunch, and I bowed to pray. And while I was bowed praying, I thought there's all these people around me looking at me and I wonder if I'm being a blessing to anybody like they are a blessing to me. And so you know what I did? I just kept my head bowed a little longer. I thought, if I'm blessing somebody, let me just bless them a little bit more and a little bit more. And I just prayed and prayed. Now, you know, you, got, you carry that too far and people think something's, something's wrong. Let's go check on him. He's not breathing or whatever, you know. But I mean, I thought, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a... You get opportunity. I, I don't have time to go into my... Um, I got one last verse. that I don't have time to... A set of scriptures. I don't have time to go into it. I don't have time to tell you, but it was about opportunity. You have opportunity every single day. And when times are tough, is your best opportunity to show people you're on a mission from God.
Every day, look for opportunity. You're on a mission from God. At 29-11, we like to close around the front with a final song. If you're comfortable, I promise you, we're not weird down here. We just want to close with a final, final prayer and a final song. Would you join us? Let's all stand. Come to the front. i got one last little thought for you. A prayer and a song will be dismissed. We'd love to have you join us if this is your first time with us. Press on in so we can get everybody out of the aisles as best we can. How many of y'all ever heard of bamboo? Y'all know what bamboo is? Bamboo? Y'all ever fish with bamboo? You know, cane poles and everything? Uh, now, what you're thinking about bamboo, you're probably thinking about one thing. You're probably not thinking about this, are you? I mean, that looks, that's, is that bamboo? I mean, that, that looks like trees, right? That's, that's not bamboo, is it? But you know what bamboo really is? Bamboo is actually a grass. But look how strong, look how tall, look how amazing and awesome it becomes. Let me tell you a little something about bamboo. I, I, I read this. I think it actually originally came from Zig Ziglar, of course. He got it from somewhere else because he's not a bamboo farmer, but I meant that's where it originally became, came from, um, the motivational speaker Zig Ziglar. He said that, y'all know how fast bamboo grows? Really fast, right? Not at first. It spends four years setting up a root system before it ever breaks ground. Four years. Nothing. You can't see it. it is like, and what do most people probably do? I mean, it, it, not being a bamboo farmer, if you tried to plant some, you'd give up on it. Next to you, you say, I thought this stuff's supposed to grow fast, right? Well, that was a failure. That was a flop. It didn't happen. It didn't do it. Nothing. Oh, well, just forget that. How many people do that in their lives spiritually? And they give up. Because let me go ahead and show that last time. Because the root comes before the fruit. But in the fifth year, for four years, the bamboo plant builds a root system. It gets deep, it gets strong, it gets everything together that it needs. And then in the fifth year, that sprout comes out and some species grow a meter a day. They all grow different heights according to what they are. One species grows 80 feet in one growing season. It's dormant. It's almost dead looking for four years. And then boom. It shoots to the heavens. Can I, can I remind you about something? In about two and a half months, there's an anniversary around here. And it's not mine and Davis, so you don't have to buy us a gift or anything. Two and a half months on Easter will be Church 2911's fourth anniversary since we launched. Fourth anniversary. Yeah, praise God. Okay, thank God for that. But look at the significance. I had this dropped in my lap last month. Four years, the root system. And when fifth year hits, it breaks through the ground and shoots to the heavens. I believe God is building a root system. And he has been. And he's getting stronger. And you, you, know, you and I, we think, man, this is awesome. But this is just the underground workings of what God is doing to get ready for something amazing that he is about to do.
God's at work. And you know what we do when we, when we don't see God at work? What we do, we think, oh, God's left us. No, what you need to do is realize, no, he's just gone underground. He's working somewhere you're not looking. And so we've got to stay with it. We gotta, we've got a mission to accomplish, church. But let's take this personally also. Because some of you, you've been ready to give up. The struggle's too hard, and I don't see God working. I ain't heard his voice, and I don't know how long. It's because he's working where you're not looking. Stop giving up and hang in there and believe that if you don't see him, that's because he's doing something in a place that you can't go. You can't fix it. He's behind the scenes somewhere that you'll never be getting something ready and better for you. Because your personal vision, mission that he has for you has to be fulfilled. And if you'll hang in there, Sunday's coming. Your growth is coming. Your awesome marriage that you've dreamed about is coming. That, that call God has put on you to be an example in your school is coming. The amazing thing that God said, I am going to do, and it looks like the, the promise is dead and gone and I don't see any life from it, it's coming. Hang in there. Bow with me right now. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Lord, I pray.